This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seib, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up, and we've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about this week. As usual, you can see all of the topics listed here on screen. We've got a full video index down below in the description, so let's get to it. And before we begin, I want to thank our newest supporters here on the channel. They include Eric Chug, who made an additional contribution for my birthday that put him over the gold level support. So I want to thank Eric for that. We also have Ahmed Al-Halal and Dan G, who both contributed via the donor box page. I want to thank everyone for their contributions this week, along with everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, along with everyone who watches on an ongoing basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. I am shooting the wrap-up a couple of days early this week, so if you did contribute over the weekend, we'll get you on next week's show. Again, thank you all for your support. And now it's time for the weekend review. On the Extras channel, we unboxed a new pair of Bose headphones. These are their noise-canceling 700 headphones, and we'll have a full review hopefully up next week. And then on the main channel, we had my free video video a video where I looked at some of the free services that you can watch a lot of great content on without having to pay a subscription fee. They are all ad-supported, but there's a lot of good options out there. And I got a ton of feedback on that video, and we're going to do a follow-up at some point in the next couple of weeks because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know about that you told me about, so we'll do another one of these. It was very uh, fun to get all of that feedback. We're also going to have an errata on that video in a few minutes. Uh, We looked at the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Carbon. Uh, This one behaved very oddly. Uh, It was throttling very weirdly, and it was hard to get uh, our 3D Mark benchmark to run on it. So if you're curious about that laptop, definitely check out the full review, which is linked down below in the master playlist. And we took a look at another one of these solid-state drives, this one from the folks at Micron. It's an NVMe drive that performed quite well. And I was quite pleased with it. You can see all of that stuff linked down below in the master playlist. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye. And this is some bad news if you are a fan of VR. John Carmack is stepping down from Oculus, where he's been the chief technical officer, because his interests have shifted to AI. And it's actually focused on general purpose AI, where you can program an AI to do anything a human can do. And this is a really growing area in AI research, and that is where he wants to go. This is a huge loss for VR, because I think a lot of what made Oculus successful was the fact that John Carmack really was into virtual reality for a number of years. And this is maybe a sign that VR is not hitting the adoption rate that a lot of folks in the industry hope it would have hit by now. And I'm sure that Facebook is continuing to lose money on it, even though they continue to pour a lot of research dollars into the platform. The Oculus Quest is really great. I hope they keep going with it, but this is a big loss for Oculus. Uh, He talked a bit about this in our Pick of the Week video this week, which was the interview uh, that John Carmack did with the Joe Rogan experience. 
Uh, Joe Rogan is a great interviewer. This was a great discussion on a whole bunch of topics, and he talks about VR, his experiences with that, and his interest in general purpose AI. So definitely check out that interview, and let's hope that Oculus can keep innovating, uh, because my only hope for VR to succeed right now is on them, and I hope they can make it happen rolling forward without them. And Disney Plus launched this week, and I, of course, subscribed to the service. I paid for like a two-year subscription, which got me a pretty good discount on everything overall. They had a pre-order period for that. Uh, But then I learned that my Verizon cell phone account would have gotten me the first year for free, so I totally screwed that up. So if you have a Verizon phone, uh, subscribe through that because you'll get a year of this service for nothing. And I'm sure that made up a good chunk of the 10 million subscriptions they claim to have already received on the service. But I've been very pleased with it. There's a ton of content here. Uh, The first thing I jumped into, of course, was the Star Wars section uh, because I was very eager to check out The Mandalorian. Uh, This is a great Star Wars show, a lot of fan service in here. Uh, It kind of lacks the grandeur of a motion picture, uh, but the set pieces are great. The detail on the sets are awesome. I was really enjoying the show, at least the first episode, and I think I will enjoy the rest of them. A lot of the uh, Star Wars figures I had as a kid that were not often seen in the films are going to be uh, making their little cameos in this show. And I already saw a lot of little things in the uh, show here that brought back some childhood memories and made a lot of smiles appear on my face. So I watched the first episode. I'm going to watch the second episode tonight. Uh, My one gripe is that if you have an NVIDIA Shield, the new one that supports Atmos, it doesn't yet support Atmos on Disney+. And I noticed that the audio on The Mandalorian was not very punchy as a result. So I'm going to hook up one of my other uh, multitude of TV boxes tonight and see if we can get Atmos on that one. So I'm getting back to the point now where I've got multiple boxes depending on which service that I want to get in the most ideal way. Uh, Atmos is coming to the Shield, but it isn't yet available. Uh, But the content offering, of course, is uh, quite extensive on Disney Plus because you've got the whole of the Disney library here. Uh, They bought 20th Century Fox, so you have all of those films as well. I was surprised, though, when I went to the Star Wars section, they had just about everything Uh, But they don't have The Last Jedi, which surprised me because I thought they would be giving you everything. And actually, uh, the new Han Solo film is missing from this as well. Uh, But they have other things like The Clone Wars, including the uh, special that they had uh, before the TV series began. They've got some of the shorts that they've done with the Lego figures and stuff. Rebels is on there. Uh, They don't yet have the second season of uh, Star Wars Resistance. Uh, So that one will probably come out a little bit later. So I was, again, surprised that we didn't get the full library because I thought that's what they were going to be offering. But there is still a ton of Star Wars content on here. I haven't watched a lot of the Marvel movies, so this might be a good opportunity for me to catch up on that. Uh, And then what I liked about it is that if you dig in enough, you can get all of the movies that they have on the platform. So if you don't want to go through all these different genres Uh, You can just get an A to Z list of every film that's here. Uh, So that was nice because sometimes with Netflix, I don't feel like I can find the full list of things that are around. Uh, Likewise, with the TV series, you have the same uh, thing here where you can go A to Z and just find whatever you want. Uh, They have a different profile for kids. Uh, So right now we've got the Darth Daddy here going. So if I switch over to my daughter, Kira, uh, she gets her kids interface here, which will be more age-appropriate, and she can find her favorite princesses or watch some of the superhero stuff that she watches. So this is all 
really nicely laid out. And I, you know, I think it's kind of Spartan at the moment, but that's okay because the content's here. And there's certainly a lot more content here than what you'll get on some of the other services out there that might cost more. I'm thinking about uh, Apple TV Plus. Maybe Apple TV Plus is about the same cost, but there's not much on that service yet. Uh, CBS All Access has a good amount of stuff, but I don't think as much as you got here. I uh, even have the full 30-year Simpsons run here available to you to watch anytime you want. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Disney+. Plus. It supports downloading for offline viewing, which is great too. So I'm going to be taking a short trip this weekend, and I'm going to be loading up my phone with some offline content, a lot of it from uh, Disney Plus here, and I'll continue to update you as to how the service is coming along, but I think they've done a great job with it, and I'm very eager to hear your thoughts down in the comments below, and that will be our Q&A for you this week. And while I got the Roku out, we've got some errata to talk about from last week, uh, two different items. Uh, The first is from my video on demand video where I said the IMDB content was only available on Amazon Fire TV devices. That is incorrect, and a lot of you uh, let me know that that was not right uh, because they have taken IMDB TV and integrated it into Amazon Prime. It's just not front and center, and there's no separate app on other platforms. Uh, So if we jump back to the Roku here, Uh, If we scroll all the way down the list here, you'll eventually come to a section uh, that will indicate that you've got free with ad content here. So there it is, and you can see some of the stuff on here. I suspect if you go in and search for some of this content, uh, you would find it through a search perhaps a little bit more efficiently, but it is in there. It's just kind of hidden with all the other Prime stuff that they might be throwing at you there. So be on the lookout if you want IMDb TV. Uh, It's available on the Roku and other platforms that support Amazon Prime. You just got to dig around in the menu a bit to find it. And from my Roku overview video, I was incorrect in saying that there were no games on the Roku. Uh, ATHE here points out that uh, in the course of my uh, description of the Roku, there's a Tetris icon uh, right on the home screen of my device. And sure enough, if you load up that icon or download that channel, as they call it, Uh, you will, of course, get the Tetris game that you can play on your Roku. It's not an ideal gaming experience. In fact, this is not a priority for Roku. Uh, They used to have remotes that had a 1 and a 2 button here uh, in position, so you could kind of use it like a game controller, but that's gone away. So now to flip the pieces here on Tetris, I actually have to hit the uh, rewind and fast-forward buttons. So not an ideal gaming experience Uh, but you can get a few games. And there's actually a good number of games, but most of them are things that are more in tune for what the hardware is capable of. So if we go over to our streaming channels uh, menu option here, uh, and we jump over to games, uh, you can see there is a lot here for gaming, uh, but most of these are just kind of, you know, things like chess and checkers and pong and a slot machine thing and a few other similar items to that. Uh, They do have Pac-Man. There's a couple of retro games like Galaga on here, but I would not consider the Roku to be a great platform to play those games on. But there are a lot of games, and if you were buying a Roku and just wanted to see what's out there, there's a good amount of stuff to pick from here. Uh, Most of these games are about 99 cents to a dollar. Some are five bucks, like the Wheel of Fortune game is a little bit more. Uh, There's a couple of game shows on here as well. Uh, But again, this won't rival a game console. It probably won't rival the game selection on the Apple TV, for example. And really, gaming is not really a focus anymore of any of these TV box manufacturers. 
Uh, if we take a look at where Amazon's gone, they used to have a gaming edition of the Fire TV and a pretty uh, extensive gaming library that they were really looking to nurture and get developers in on. I think for a while, Shovel Knight was uh, exclusive to the Fire TV box, even though it was an Android app. Uh, NVIDIA did a similar thing with the Shield. When it came out, they were really uh, getting developers to take advantage of the NVIDIA Shield and offer content that was exclusive to that platform as well. And both Amazon and NVIDIA were actually packaging game controllers in the box, which both are not doing anymore. So I think what's happened here is that consumers want to not spend a lot of money on these streaming boxes. They don't expect them to play games. If they want a game console, they buy one. Uh, But yes, you can get games on the Roku. They're just not going to be all that great. And on the topic of set-top boxes, uh, Homelander writes in in our Q&A this week, wondering if Samsung... Uh, might look at making streaming TV boxes now that they're out of the Blu-ray player market. And I would love to see more competition in the streaming box arena. Unfortunately, I don't think there will be more, at least from name brand manufacturers, because it's so heavily saturated right now. You've got all those smart TVs. You've got the Roku, the Amazon thing. You've got uh, Apple TV. There's just too many players, and no one's really making a lot of money in this space. And this is also why we haven't seen the NVIDIA Shield's horsepower increase at all from one year to the next. We pretty much have the same performance we had when it first came out four years ago. I would love for somebody to take one of those really high-powered Snapdragon chips that we're seeing in the flagship phones and put it in a set-top box because I think enthusiasts would get very excited about that. Uh, Those chips, I believe, will outperform an NVIDIA Shield, but they're in phones and not in set-top boxes. Uh, So I don't think they'll do it, but I would love to see Samsung jump in with an offering of their own. And this next question comes in from Ciro Mora about the big to-do over the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act and YouTube. If you have a YouTube channel, even a tiny one, uh, you are going to have to declare yourself about whether or not you are making content for kids. And you have the choice to say, hey, my entire channel is not steered at children under the age of 13, or you can do it on a video-by-video basis. And you have to do this to comply with YouTube's terms of service, essentially, even if you're outside the U.S. Uh, What happened here in the U.S. is that the Federal Trade Commission uh, said to YouTube, hey, you're in violation of this act because you are collecting data on kids under the age of 13. Uh, My daughter, for example, was using the YouTube Kids app She was subscribing to channels in that app, but she's only six years old. I was monitoring, so don't worry. Uh, And she can no longer do that. Uh, Kids cannot comment on these kid channels. And if you are a kid channel, uh, they're going to remove commenting completely from it. And this is a big deal because uh, if you are violating this act and not declaring your content properly, uh, YouTube at the minimum will demonetize a video, but you also open yourself up to being Uh, fined directly by the Federal Trade Commission for violating the COPPA Act yourself. So what's happened here is YouTube's been able to settle this case and then put all the blame on creators versus themselves. And that is why the FTC voted three to two on party lines on this particular issue when it was before them. Uh, So this is what you'll see. Now, what I did for this channel and a few of my other ones was set it to no. Uh, But I have another channel that I've just been playing with over the years called Dad Pro Tips, where I get some toys in through the Amazon Vine program and do a little review with my daughter. Uh, Because my kid is in the video and because we're reviewing uh, kid products, uh, we have to say that these are kid-friendly videos, and therefore uh, the monetization will be very different on those videos. Kids can't subscribe and they can't comment. 
Uh, but if we didn't do that, we could be facing some severe consequences for not disclosing that. So if you do a mixture of content, then you'll have to say you want to review this setting for every video, and then on a video-by-video -video basis, you'll have to make those declarations. And if you've got a lot of content, uh, you have to go back through them all one by one to set this. So this is going to be some work for some folks that might have some kid content on their channel. I took a look at my own demographics here, and you can see that uh, my 13 to 17-year-old uh, market here is very, very small, and I would imagine that very few viewers are under the age of 13. But as usual, things are not very clear to us creators who don't make kid content but might have something that could potentially attract a child visitor. Uh, TubeFilter tried to make some sense of this in an article that they posted this week. Uh, they listed out the 10 factors that the FTC is using to determine whether or not a video is kid-directed. But it is so broad, like the subject matter of the site or service, uh, which I would interpret to be maybe the subject matter of the video that you're doing, the video's visual content. So if a toy appears in the video, is that enough? I don't know what weight they apply to these different factors in determining whether or not something is kid-directed. And I'm sure what's going to happen here is that there will be creators who say, no, my video about this toy wasn't directed at kids. YouTube might say, now it is because it's got a toy in it, and they might get demonetized in the process. So this will have an impact not only on the stuff that's directed to kids under 13, but also channels that might cover some of this stuff that could overlap with that age bracket, even if the intended audience is not a child. And again, we have no idea because YouTube hasn't really effectively communicated how we should be thinking about this stuff in those gray areas where our intent is not to focus on children, but children might see it anyhow. Who knows? And I guess we're all going to learn the hard way as this stuff develops. Uh, just as an example, I went through my back catalog. The only thing that I have that uh, might fall under this gray area is this video of the Anki Overdrive toy. This is kind of a slot car thing without the slots. And it's a cool thing that I was not intending to focus on children under the age of 13, but I think if a kid might be searching Google uh, for some information about this product, they might find their way to this video. Am I supposed to declare this as a kid-friendly video? I don't know. And that's what really concerns me about this moving forward. So there's going to be some, I think, significant impacts in the short term as everyone tries to figure out how all of this works. I think there will be a lot of channels that get caught up in this that are not kid-focused, but the uh, objects or imagery or the things that they're talking about in the video might lead YouTube to identify them as such. And that's going to have a material impact on what they do at least in the short term. I think in the long term, though, uh, what YouTube will likely do is switch from targeted advertising on those videos and go to contextual advertising, where the subject of the video will determine the type of ad that gets in front of the kid. The hard part for advertisers is that I don't believe YouTube can report the viewership of the ads or the ad duration that the child is watching for, from or for. Uh, so that might mean we only see unskippable videos, perhaps, or ads on those videos. Uh, it might mean that uh, there's some other metric that they have to try to figure out in order to be able to deliver the data to advertisers to make all of this stuff work for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I think there will still be advertising on children's content. It'll be much like it is on television if they know 
you know, a, per, a certain percentage of this show or this video is being watched by boys because it's about a toy that boys typically play with, then you probably will see uh, those ads kind of contextually targeting themselves at those videos and the vice versa for girls. And the stuff in the middle might see a mixture of both. I remember growing up with my morning cartoons, I would see ads for stuff my sister might like and ads for stuff that I might like. And I think that's what we're going to see here in the end. So I'm not all that concerned in the long run, but I think in the short term, this is going to be very disruptive and we'll have to see how it all develops. I know for my daughter, she's been frustrated that she can no longer subscribe to the channels that she likes because that's been taken away. And some of the targeting of videos to her based on things that she's watching now is also being impacted. Uh, So I'm really going to start digging through their kids app and see how they're going to direct videos now, uh, given that uh, they're not allowed to collect any data about what the kid is doing on the platform. So lots of disruption here, but that is what happens in the 21st century when you're running a media company. It's going to be a wild ride, and I would love to hear what you think down in the, in the comment section below. So this week on the channel, we've got a bunch of stuff planned. We're going to be taking a look at the Roku soundbar. This is a stereo soundbar with a Roku built inside of it. We also got the subwoofer that goes with it which I think is important to add some punchier bass to your overall experience. Uh, We got in this little SSD from CalDigit. This is called their Nano SSD. We'll put it to the test and see how it performs. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, We hopefully will have a review of those new Bose headsets that I unboxed, and we'll compare it to the QC35. So be on the lookout there too. And then some of you were asking about this, and I happened to get it in through the Amazon Vine program. Uh, This is the new game controller from Razer uh, that incorporates a phone case and a switch-like control surface. Uh, So we'll be playing around with this. I did not have a phone that fit this, but luckily Jake, who helps me out here in the channel, does have a phone that works with this, the Note 9. Uh, So we'll be trying that out with Jake's phone and let you know what I think of it. And it's for a specific group of phones that have a compatible case that is in the box with this device. So if you don't have the right phone, you can't use it, unfortunately. It's not a universal fit. Uh, So we'll look at that as well and probably a few other things too. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. Uh, We also are still supporting YouTube memberships. Uh, which are a great way to uh, make your support on the channel without having to leave YouTube at all. Uh, You get these cool badges that will appear uh, in your comments and live chat. And the longer you are a member, uh, the color will change. So if you've been with me for like a year or something, you get a red one and then it starts at green. So that's a cool little thing there. Uh, We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission. We'll get a larger commission if you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else. Uh, We also have other channels that I produce here, uh, namely the Extras channel at lon.tv slash extras, which has unboxings and supplementary content. We have my podcast at lon.tv slash podcast, which is an audio version of this show. We have the Snippets channel, which is search-friendly snippets of this show that we put up on its own channel for search optimization. And then we have my live streams, Uh, where you can find an archive of all the live streams that I have done. And we're going to be doing more of these live streams very shortly uh, because I am working with Amazon on doing some of these live streams. So be on the lookout both here on YouTube, but also on Amazon's live streaming platform. 
Uh, if you want to be notified whenever I do go live or upload anything, you can turn on the notifications by clicking the bell. And you can also engage with me through my email list at lon.tv slash email. We have my Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook. The Facebook group uh, is growing by leaps and bounds. We're almost to 800 members now, a great resource for this uh, particular show and many other things that I do. And then we have the store at lon.tv slash store, where I sell previously used items that we reviewed here on the channel. And if you want to get alerted every time I add something to the store, you can click on the link you see on screen and you will get emailed every time we add a new item there for you to purchase. And that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thank you all for your continued support. We'll be doing a lot of content as we get into the holiday shopping season, so stay tuned and let me know what you would like to see me review as well because I'm always looking for new ideas on that. Until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Brian Parker, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.